How many of you were here last weekend for Easter? Wasn't that an amazing time in God's presence? Last weekend, we had a record, uh, of, a record setting number of salvations of 302 people that gave their lives, that came down the altar, gave their life to Jesus. Wasn't that amazing? And that was incredible. One of my, last weekend would have been, in my mind, one of the best weekends I've experienced in ministry in my entire life. It was just heaven on earth last weekend. It was incredible. And then we had over 50 baptisms planned between this service and this service and next service. Isn't that amazing? 50 people going all in with their faith. So it's going to be an amazing day. And before I get into the series, I do want to take a moment and pause and give some honor to where honor is due. Uh, I believe in the year 1980, this church was founded by a man named Jesse and Barbara Ray. And uh, this week, Miss Ray went home to be with Jesus. And if you remember last June, we honored them here in the room. And um, it was just, I'm so glad we had the opportunity to do that, to honor her and him for their years of sacrifice to pioneer the beginning of Vibrant Church. Come on, put your hands together. Well, an honor the Ray family and bless them and thank God for them. It was uh, the other day I received a call from their daughter and asking that in a great high privilege, I, I mean, I just moved here, so I don't even know everybody. I don't know anybody, really. I'm still working on it. Uh, but they asked me to be a part of the service and what an honor that is. So they will be at the assembly this week on Tuesday, and I'm just really uh, honored to be a part of that. We're so thankful for their legacy. Now, today, we are starting a brand new series entitled Soul Food, a recipe for peace in an anxious world. How many of you can relate that at times, from time to time, you can feel anxious, maybe a little worried? In the year 2019, notice the year, 2019, two out of three Americans say that they are anxious or very anxious. Two out of three, and this is before the pandemic. <laughs> we are now hitting record numbers of anxiety and worry and stress. When you get online, I'm sure you scroll your social media like I scroll through social media, or you could be watching the news for a few moments and just watching for just a few minutes, you can feel your anxiety begin to rise. You could just watch for literally scroll through a few stories and you see political fights and scandals and issues and problems and it don't take long until you start feeling worried. Anybody know what I'm talking about? In fact, I mean, I was just reading this week of people who are nervous and scared of the meteorite that is heading toward the southeast United parts the east end of the United States this November. Did you know that? I just made that up. See how scared you got? I wanted to see if you were listening, and I felt fear come in the house of God. People aged between 12 and 25 have the highest rates of depression. More than 264 million people suffer from depression worldwide, and women are nearly twice as likely as men to have depression. The rate of severe depression to moderate depression, or moderate depression to severe depression, rather, rose from 
to 41% in 2007 to 2018. In several studies, teenage and young adults users uh, who spend most of their time on Instagram, Facebook, and other platforms were shown to have substantially 13 to 66% higher rate of depression than those who spent less time. The World Health Organization says that Americans are the most worried nation in the world. Come on, guys, we win, everybody. <laughs> Barna says that 60% of adults struggle with worry and stress daily, over half. Now, hear me today. I do not claim to be an expert at this topic. I am a preacher. I, I know that in studying this week, I found out that only 4% of churches actually talk about the mental health or talk about the mental well-being from the pulpit. And I think one of the reasons is because we are preachers and we don't feel qualified to speak into this area. And I'm going to give you, uh, from the angle of a pastor, from a spiritual tone, and I will be bringing some studies and some research in the next three weeks as we talk about the recipes for peace in an anxious world. I'll be talking about it throughout the next three weeks, but hear me today. We, we are not, uh, I'll say this, we have a, 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 a resource. I'm trying to get my words together. I'm not used to preaching with one of these, okay? I forgot my headset. I looked down at Pastor Aaron, and I was like, hey man, I need a microphone. I forgot my, I forgot to get it, so he gets me this, and this is like, this is what I would defend myself with. I can't preach with this thing. But I'm going to try. When I hold a mic, though, I normally end up screaming. I'm sorry. It's going to happen. If you're a visitor today, before we know it, we're going to be in the... Okay, I'm going to try not to, though. I don't know what's going to happen this morning. I'm telling you, it's the Pentecostal. They hold these things. They're like, in the never devil in hell, get out of this building. You know, it's like, oh, my God. And you'll probably see it come out before we're done. But... We offer a resource here at the church called Vibrant Cares. This is a resource that we offer to help people with healing and growth who are searching for help. Uh, we have lay counselors who are trained in biblical truths and psychological insights, and that we would love to be a part of helping you and your family. Because here's the reality. When I meet with people who want counseling, I always tell them, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm not really a counselor. So I'm always trying to instruct people and direct people to our Vibrant Cares Ministry, And I want to encourage you, you can go to our website or you can stop at guest services, ask any questions you may have. It's totally autonomous. So if you want to go and you want to meet with somebody and talk to somebody, and I got a big secret you can't tell anybody, it's free. We offer that to you and your family. and want to let you know that we want you to be healthy, whole, and spiritually blessed. But here's the thing about the mind. The mind never really stops. You can go three weeks without food. You can go three days without water. You can go three days with, or three minutes without air, but you cannot go three seconds without thinking. You know what I'm talking about. And the reality of it is a lot of our peace is won and lost in our, in our minds. And I want to say with great respect today, I want to say with honor, that some great people or people who have had great intentions have come to Jesus and when they came to Jesus, they meant it in their heart, but they're now frustrated on the other side of Calvary 
because they feel as though they're stuck in their mind. They keep living through a pattern and they think, I thought if I came to Jesus, everything would have been would have been better, but I want you to hear me today, is that you can be forgiven of your sins and still struggle in your mind. You can be saved and on your way to heaven, but still struggle with a cycle of depression, and you can love Jesus and battle with anxiety, worry, and stress. Come on, somebody say amen. Romans chapter 12 says this, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. Here's what I want you to understand from the outset. We are not defenseless to these moments of anxiety and worry and insecurity that by the power of his spirit and the working of his word, we can walk in the peace that God has for us that passes understanding. Do you believe that today? So for the next three weeks, I'm gonna be talking about the ingredients of peace for an anxious world. Philippians chapter four, this is gonna be our anchor text for this series. Philippians chapter four, maybe you've heard it before. I've referenced it several times. It says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, somebody say his peace, will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Here's the first thing it says. Don't worry about anything. How many of you already feel guilty right now? Just feel guilty because... That's a pretty all-inclusive statement. Don't worry about anything. Like, what about my bills? And what about my, my family? What about someone I love? And what about my business? And what about my home? No, 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 no. He says, don't worry about anything because Paul knows what we often forget is that worry doesn't work. Worry doesn't work. Corey Tinboom said it like this, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrows, it empties today of its strength. And here's the thing about worry, the Bible says that Jesus talked about worry. Jesus talked about worry. In fact, it was at the end of his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, right at his closing point, right before the musicians and Pastor Tyson came. Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, written in red in your Bible, I tell you, do not worry. Don't worry about your life or what you eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear. Somebody's like, thank God, don't gotta worry about my body. Is not life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns and let your heavenly Father feed them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be worrying and add a single hour to your life? This is Jesus talking. This is Jesus letting us know, don't worry about food. Don't worry about what you're gonna wear. Don't, don't worry about your future. Don't worry. 
Now, when I hear that, I immediately can, cannot compute that concept because I feel like somebody has to worry. Don't you agree? I can't just get up in the morning and be like, kids, don't worry. You're going to eat sometime when God makes it happen. And let me help you with what this is. Jesus is saying, do not become overly obsessed and get worrisome. In the verse prior to verse 25, he's actually talking about money. So one preacher said that it covers some of the most main areas of our lives. Jesus is referring to don't worry about your finances. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your health or your fitness. Don't worry about your, your future. I, I want you to see this. Jesus is not saying don't be concerned about it. He's saying don't be overly obsessed with it that you catch yourself worrying over it. Because concern, here's the difference between concern and worry. Concern focuses on challenges that we can control and moves us toward action. Worry focuses on what we can't control and results in inaction. So when I'm concerned about my marriage and I need that's not worry, that's a healthy concern as a husband. If I'm worried about my kid's health, there's nothing wrong with feeling concerned about the well-being of your children. Jesus is simply saying that what you cannot fix, what you get worried about doesn't help anything. And he says, don't do it. Are you with me? Let me give you three quick points on worry. Number one, worry is unreasonable. If you're taking notes, write that down. Worry is unreasonable. Here's what I've noticed about worry. Worry exaggerates everything. The more you look at something with the lens of worry, the bigger it seems to get. If somebody says something to you, and it just, have you ever noticed that if you keep thinking about that thing that they said, that thing that they said seems to get bigger than what they even said. Have you ever noticed that when you just seem to scroll through social media and you see a bad news report about the meteor coming in November, you see that and you're, you become so fearful and anxiety fills your heart to worry about something you can't change is useless. To worry about something you can change is worthless. To worry is unreasonable. Number two, worry is unhealthy. I know we've all heard and we've all seen the commercials and, and heard the doctors say that it affects our nerves, our muscles, our breathing, our heart, that a lifestyle of stress can make us more likely to have high blood pressure, heart attack, or stroke. One doctor said that a lot of people can leave the hospital if they could deal with their guilt, their resentment, and their worry. A lot of stomach issues come from being traced back to an anxious mind because the truth is it's not always what you eat that makes you sick. It's what's eating you that makes you sick. Proverbs chapter 12 says, anxiety in a person's heart weighs him down. So not only is worry unreasonable, not only is worry unhealthy, but worry is unnecessary. Jesus said in verse 27, which one of you being anxious can add a single hour to the span of his life? Can anybody get any taller by worrying about being short? For real. 
Have you ever lost weight worrying? Because if worry could take it off, it probably would have already. Am I talking to anybody? It is unnecessary. Penn State did a study and told these students to write down everything you're worried about right now. And in 30 days, we're going to assess what you are worried about. At the end of 30 days, when they begin to talk to the students, they found out that 91% of what they were worried about never happened. So it could be said that 10% of what you're worrying about is even possible to take place. What we feel so anxious and so worrisome and what we feel this heaviness, can I tell you today, just know 90% chance it may never happen. Just know that today, that when we are together, you need to be reminded that worry is unreasonable, worry is unhealthy, and worry is unnecessary. Here's the truth about worry, are you ready? Worry is acting like God can't be trusted. I may scream in this mic, are you ready? Worry is acting like God cannot be trusted. Toward the end of his message in Matthew 6, Jesus said, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things. In context, he's talking about the clothes and the food and the future and your health. All these things will be given to you as well. If you just put me first, I'll take care of what you need to worry about. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Jesus is saying, put me first, and what you're worried about, I will deal with on your behalf. So here's as the church, we have to be careful that we don't take our cues from culture because they're not in the family of God. So they need to be worried. They don't have the heavenly father covenant that we walk in. We don't, they don't have the relationship with God and the promise of God that we have. They need to be worried. They need to be worried a lot more than about food and clothes if they're not knowing Jesus. I'm not talking to anybody. Back to Philippians, our anchor verse, it says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. For the next three weeks, I'm just covering one point. And today, out of this verse, here's what I want you to do. When you feel panic, I'm preaching to myself right now because I struggle with this. When you feel panic, the first thing we have to do, the first set of ingredients to give us peace in an anxious world is this. Pray first. Somebody say pray first. Now, I know that's cliche. I'm a pastor. You may be thinking I expected you to say that. But here's the reality. That's what the word of God says, and I can't improve upon it. If it says don't worry about anything, pray about everything, then I'm just going to take that at face value that when worry comes, the first line of defense I have is to pray. You've heard it before. Prayer shouldn't be our last line of defense, but rather our first line of offense. I've talked to people before who feel like, well, Pastor Ethan, it's just so tiny what I'm dealing with. It's just, you know, this is a really big God and this is just small. Can I help you today? Everything is tiny to God. Am I helping you right now? 
if it's big to you, it's still tiny to God. If it's small to you, in, in, retro, in, in observation, it's still technically small to God. But you hear me say it all the time that if it matters to you, if it's enough to worry about, it's enough to pray about. And if it matters to you, it matters to God. Am I helping anybody? That when we feel anxiety and stress and worry and lonely and grief, what we need to do first is pray. Caroline Leaf said uh, in one of her books, in 12 minutes of daily focused prayer over an eight-week period, it can change the brain to such an extent that it can be measured on a brain scan that you can physically see the change in the mind of a person who has taken time for eight, for 12 minutes a day, for eight weeks, who have taken the time to pray. So not only does prayer touch the heart of God, but it changes the chemistry in our brain. And so hear me today, it may be natural to want to worry. Are you with me? It may be natural to want to worry, and it doesn't always feel natural to want to pray. That's the great thing you need to know. Prayer is not natural. Prayer is supernatural, that when we are under pressure and we feel anxiety, what we have to do first is pray. Acts chapter 20, I'm talking about Paul and his life, and I begin to think about Paul who has experienced all of the things he experienced. The Bible lets us know that he had gone through difficulty and he had been through uh, shipwrecks and abuses and he had uh, been worried for the churches and he's been beaten and betrayed by his brother in the Bible says. Paul had been through a lot for him to write this down. Here he is in a prison cell and he's saying, don't worry about anything. Well, when you think about who wrote that, you need to, you know, they say the proof is in the pudding. Where in your life, Paul, have you had to, have you had to pray? When you felt anxiety and you felt worry. This is what he says, Acts chapter 20, in his ministry, if you go to the book of Acts, the book of Acts is his record account of the first century church. And Paul is meeting with the church of Ephesus and he's getting ready to leave them and go to Jerusalem. And this is what he says. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and affliction awaits me. Paul is about to leave Ephesus, and through what one commentary said, whether through the Holy Spirit telling him or through external people being used by God to tell him about the trouble that is ahead of him, Paul feels this pressure that he is going to, when he gets to Jerusalem, experience affliction and imprisonment. In fact, after he leaves there, there are two people that stop and prophesy to him about the, about the pain that awaits him when he gets to Jerusalem. Paul is in this moment speaking to the church of Ephesus, and he's letting them know, I know what waits for me. This isn't easy what I feel. This isn't comfortable what I know is to come. 
But the next verse, or several verses down in verse 36, and when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. The Bible says in a few verses, then they get on the ship and they travel. Can I tell you today, before he ever got on the ship, he knew before I even take one more foot, one more step toward Jerusalem, before I go any further, I feel the weight of this moment. I feel the pain in my heart. I feel the anxiety of leaving you. He actually tells him, I don't know what awaits for me. I will never see your face again. He knows that I'm going to be in prison. In the next chapter, he says, I'm planning on dying. Paul is feeling all the pressure. And before he gets his bag and gets on the boat, the Bible says, I got to pray first. I'm going to get on my knees, and when I feel anxiety, I'm going to call on the name of the Lord. I want the peace of God. I think what me and you are going to have to learn is that when we really want to experience the peace of God in our hearts and in our lives, the very first step that we have to do is just take a minute and call upon the name of the Lord. David said that if, whether it's evening or it's morning, in the noontime, it doesn't matter. I will cry out in my distress, and he hears my voice. Is there anybody in a room today that's thankful that when you were down to nothing, when life got hard, things were difficult, you could talk to your God who stepped into your situation and helped you in that season? Come on, give God praise. I'm going to preach with this mic. Somebody get this thing out of my hand. I've come to tell you today, many of you are still here because in your darkest moments, you just called on the name above every name. And at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue. When you didn't know where to go, you just called on the name. In the hospital room, you just called on his name. When you didn't know where the kids were, you just called on his name. When you were sick in your body, you just called on his name. When you had a sick headache, you just called on his name. When you don't know what to do, Paul, I've come to tell you you get on your knees and call out to God and when you feel the pain and you need the peace don't panic it's time to pray good God get this mic out of my hand I feel like preaching this morning is there anybody thankful for the blood for prayer for his spirit that's kept you Oh, he brought the organ out now. When you don't know where to go, you have one place. And when the battle is raging and the fire is hot and hellhounds are barking, I've come to tell somebody, I feel like I'm in the old school Pentecostal, old school camp meeting kind of church. This is what I grew up in. And when I get in a room with faith like this, I feel like telling somebody, come hell or high water, no weapon formed against you shall be able to to prosper. All right. I don't know where I'm at. I don't know what I'm doing. But I'm thankful today that when my family thought I was dying and I was a little infant in the hospital and while I was there, dad was walking out of the hospital and saw some old saint of God woman. You know who I'm talking about. 
they were this tall, but their hair was taller than them. And she came in and saw dad, and, and she asked, what's going on? And he looked at her and says, he's going to die. He's premature. He's crazy. He's going to be a redhead. I hate it. You know, something like that. And, and she looked back at him and said, no, no, we ain't going to worry. We ain't going to worry. And dad said, what do you mean we ain't going to worry? She said, here's what we're going to do. Right here in Dunlap Memorial Hospital in Orville, Ohio, in the parking lot. Give me your hands, Johnny Paul Box. We're going to pray. When I don't know where to go, when I don't know what to do, I only got one name to call on. David says, I only got one God to call on, and he hears me when I pray. Jesus, the night before he was betrayed, after he had supper, he gathered his team, he ate together, and before the guards had come to get him, he made a pit stop. Before he got to the cross, he made a pit stop. Before they got him to stand before Caiaphas, he had to make a stop. Before he got all the way to Calvary, before he saw Pilate, before he saw Herod, before they pulled the whip, before all of that, he had to make a stop. And he knew, I'm under pressure. And he goes to the garden. The Bible says, and I stood in that garden a few months ago. And Jesus said, as he feels the pressure of the world, he feels blood jump, dropping off of him for the weight and the wrath of God is beginning to become, he's absorbing it. The highest, most pressured moment of any person in the sense of humanity has ever lived. And Jesus says, I just need to pray. I need to talk to my father. And when he's in that garden, he says, not my will, Because here's what prayer does. Sometimes prayer changes things. But a lot of times, prayer will change you. That when you want God to change the thing, God's saying, how about I just change you? First Peter chapter 5, verse 7 says, Unload all your burden to him since he is concerned. We used to, speaking of old, ridiculous Pentecostal storefront, wildfire, hating, devil-chasing church services, we used to sing a song that said, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege, what a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what a privilege. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Can I tell you today, there's no friend like Jesus. Amen, everybody. Couldn't do it without him. Don't know where to go. When you didn't know where to turn, how many times, Lenita, have you had to call on your friend? Pastor Tommy, how many times that in your darkest seasons, like Paul, should I get on this boat? This is scary. And you called on his name. 
Haley, how many times in your darkest seasons when you didn't know where to turn and didn't know what to do and worry was coming in, have you had to just pray, God, hold me today. God, keep me. Deanna, how many times has he had to just be like, I, I got you. I, I got Jesse, how many times? You're here because, you know, sometimes I think we're here because we can hold on to him pretty tight. And I'm sure that's true, but the older I'm getting, the more I'm seeing. I'm still here because he holds on to me pretty tight. If you will, stand with us all over the room. Next service, I better have a headset. I'm breaking this thing. I never want to see this thing again. I don't know what just happens. I'm going to have to review the tape. Eyes closed all over the room. If you're in here today and you don't know Jesus, the greatest friend you'll ever have. Last Sunday, 302 people said yes to him. Why don't we make it 303 today? If you're in the room today and you need Jesus, you need to be cleansed of your sin. You need to wash. You need to be new again. You're lonely. You're broken. You need a friend. You feel like there's no purpose in your life. You need your sins washed away. You need a new day. You need a fresh start, a new beginning. Right now, right where you are, Jesus died for you, loves you, gave his life for you. And if you're in the room today and you say, I need to give my life to Jesus, or I need to rededicate my life, I want to count to three, and I want you to put that hand in the air and say, Jesus, will you save me today? Would you help me today? Are you ready? One, two, three. Nice and high, nice and high. Thank you. Thank you. Many hands today. Come on, church. Put your hands together. People saying yes to Jesus today. What a friend. What a friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. every eye closed pray this prayer with me everybody say dear Jesus forgive me of my sin wash me clean with your blood make me new be my friend I believe that you died I believe that you rose again in Jesus name if you believe it today someone put your hands together give God a big big praise